0: Your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Russellomics Radio. Should Should I say bonjour? I'm Brandon Thurston, broadcasting live and on demand from Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Where I've uh, I've been here attending the Elimination Chamber Premium Live event, uh, and I'm joined, as always, as, as usual, by Chris Colo, who's below me, in this Brady bunch, and by Jesse Collins, we are not in in Montreal, but they are joining me remote, as usual. Hello. Wow.
1: We got like the NHL uh, like Atlantic Division. You got the Bruins, the Sabres, the Canadiens. It's like that triangle effect there. Yeah? Mm-hmm.
2: Yep. Brandon, um, you're a, a star due to your uh, press conference performance last night
0: hmm.
2: I actually so i I was not seated
0: with media. I did pay for a ticket last night um and i was I was seated way up in like the three hundreds it's there there it's interesting there so the the bell center has like a three hundred section that's has stacked right on top of it a four hundred section anyway, I was up in the three hundreds and I had my plan all all set out I knew there, there was a meeting point that we were supposed to meet at for the press conference immediately after the show was over. I did a dry run, making sure that I could sprint down the stairs and quickly and efficiently get to the meeting point. Um, But it, uh, I, I, did that, but then apparently people were, were gathered even while the main event was, was, was happening and they were getting ready to be escorted. So anyway, I was very confused and I didn't know where everybody went. Um, but in fact, uh, WPR was very helpful and they they found me and escorted me to the to the press conference and I sat there for like 5 minutes and then all of a sudden I was asking a question. And so I did.
2: Yeah, and I thought you asked a really good question.
0: Which, I which thought it
2: was a I thought we got a very interesting answer out of it. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I guess if we we could talk about it now, why not?
0: Um so I I asked, what did I I asked Paul Levesque um whether he thought what what Were you in favor of a WE sale before Vince made his return? And are you in favor of one now? Um, I don't know that he really answered the question, but we do have, um, we do have the text here. I made, I made Golo type it up uh, early this morning here. Um, And if I find the text, he says, it depends. It depends on who's buying, what the offer is, what the outcome is. Um, I stay out of it to me. And that's not a cop out answer. I have the greatest gig in the world. I helped tonight in some small way create to me what we did here tonight. And to me, it's the best gig on the planet. As long as we get to do this, as long as we get to create it the way we want to create it, as long as we get to do our jobs and we get to go out there and put our passion on display, as long as our talent are allowed to put their passion on display and do what we do, I'm good. I'm good. It is what it is. Uh, That is the comment from from Paul Lavec on a a W. E. sale. Um, did we learn anything from that?
2: We learned that he's not involved, uh, you know, according to him, he's not involved in the sale really at all. That's what he says. He is on the board of directors. So you would think one would think that he has to be involved in some capacity, but, uh, he did at least present for
0: some conversations, I would think.
2: Right. So he clearly, but he clearly, at least from this is now his, this is now, and the reason you asked this question, Brandon, is this is now his public stance on the issue is that he's staying out of it. And that he also doesn't seem to be too bothered by who would potentially purchase WWE as long as basically he's allowed to keep his position. That's basically yeah. what he said. I thought the last bit when he said it is what it is, he kind of said that like after he said everything else, like he kind of like sat back and then he like leaned into the mic and kind of like, was like, it is what it is. And I thought that was kind of interesting because it kind of seemed You're like. You're decoding that. What, what, what did you read into that? I mean, it could mean nothing, obviously, but I just thought the way he said it, it came across like he was kind of resigned to the fact that he had little authority over what was going to happen, and he can't change it, so he's just kind of accepting it. That's just – I mean – could be totally wrong but that's how i got from like his body language yeah. Yeah. It, it
0: did occur to me that like oh, i guess i could have asked you know okay are there some suitors that you prefer more than others or vice versa because <laughs> like i guess you could read into this response as, as as long as we get to do this as long as we get to create it the way we want to create it so are you are you saying that there are right. some plausible so, situations in which your cre- creativity would be limited
2: Right. There's a Is there a potential buyers that you wouldn't be that excited about because your creativity would be limited? Limited. And what does that mean? If it's bought by a company that doesn't care if Vince is in charge of creative, then does that mean Paul Levesque is no longer in power the way he wants to be? Um, does it mean that he would prefer someone that would want nothing to do with Vince? So Vince could sell the company and then go on his merry way and then Paul Levesque would be in charge of, uh, the company under new ownership? Um, yeah, I mean, I thought it was a good question. I thought you tied it into kind of like, you know, Vince's return to the board of directors, which he didn't really address at all. He, you know, was he didn't address Vince at all in the answer. But I thought it was, it's it's easily Brandon, easily the best question that's ever been asked of these WWE pressers. Well, I I do it to impress you, Jesse. Um, I knew that's what it was for. I knew like <laughs> Brandon was like, I got to do this I, for Jesse. Yes, yeah, so it's just mainly to get your approval. Um, Let's
1: see if somebody will take Brandon's lead now, and like now we'll have further questions on you know Triple H. Like who does he want to have it? You know, like you guys said, to stay in power is G. Yeah, and
2: fun. I thought in like Triple H's response, like did he answer the question fully? No, um, but he wasn't like nasty about it. He didn't like say get this guy out of here because you he asked a <laughs> difficult question. Like you know, some people might I don't know think that that's what would happen. But well, that was some was, of the
1: facial expressions.
2: <laughs> yeah, but he was prepared. But he was prepared to to give a answer. He had clearly expected that this may potentially occur to him. So the idea that like Brandon asked a, uh, and I don't even consider it like a like a it wasn't a gotcha question. It wasn't an accusatory question. It was simply a sale, which is all public knowledge and something that he is he he has is 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 able to comment on. And he gave an answer. It wasn't like this big, you know. It was like he was Brandon was a a, you know maybe you were maybe we didn't see that on camera you were not escorted out of the room briskly by security
0: no no everyone was polite with me yeah
2: I mean what other
1: opportunity to get to ask Triple H about his thoughts on the sale so in that aspect it's a good question not like he's available all the time to answer questions like that
0: yeah I I mean on one hand I understand he's the chief content officer and he's the head of creative and perhaps that's where the vast majority of, of his of his time and energy goes into. And he's on the board of directors. How involved is he in in these sort of high-level business strategy decisions and strategic alternatives? Um, maybe not so much as as some other members. Um, and I think one thing we don't – maybe we haven't focused on enough in talking about this story of a possible sale is what does a possible sale mean for I mean all W employees? Um, including the, the, the lead executives like Paul Levesque and Nick Khan, for that matter. Um, whoever, uh, plausibly, somebody's going to buy this company, maybe, and, and they can install their own executives at, at their own whim. And that may mean an uncertain f- future for, for anybody in this company. And if there's a, a merger or an acquisition where there are, there are, there are synergies in, in the workforce, then, then that could mean a lot of people getting laid off. Because that's why you do mergers is is to keep your costs down. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it, it raises you know a, a question about is is Nikon really incentivized to help it to help it make a deal happen? I think there are mixed incentives for him. Um, there's an incentive on one hand of wanting to be the person who is partly responsible for making a great company transaction that is great for shareholders. That's a great story. and But I think there's also a, a, a risk for him in that who, who, who you make a deal with if a deal is made, does that suitor want to keep you in charge or they want to put their own person in charge? Um, seems unclear to me and that. So it seems like a lot of uncertainty to me. Um, okay. I guess that was our lead story here. Um, so... Did you guys watch Elimination Chamber? Did you get a chance to see it? I don't care if you did. I watched the main event.
2: Show. I also watched the main event. Um, I was. Yeah. I sat down at eight o'clock. My I, I had plans, but the plans fell through. I sat down at eight o'clock, uh, and I was like, "Should I watch Elimination Chamber?" And I was like, "I don't think I can do it. I don't think I can stand the pacing of the show, to because I really only care about the main event, and I don't. I think I'm going to be really annoyed by like two and a half hours into the show before we get to the main event." Um, so I watched the movie Tar instead, uh, and that wrapped up right about as the main event started. So it's like, all right, cool, time to turn on the main event, and uh, that's how I that's how I spent my Saturday night. Yeah.
1: I was all performing way. last night, going head to head with most of Elimination Chamber until uh, I got home at uh, you know right for the main event by myself.
0: So yeah, well, also well timed. Yeah. So I, I, this show ended up going. I mean, there was you know mercifully no pre-show. Um, I got in my seat at eight o'clock. Um, I, I know they did a kickoff show in, in the arena, but there were, that was just a talk show. Um, it seemed to be going along pretty quickly. I mean, the show started at eight, but it ended. I mean, that main event didn't end until, especially with all the stuff that happened afterward, with Kevin Owens and, and all that. I don't think that ended until I would guess around eleven fifteen, eleven twenty, or something like that. So it did. This was a, a over four hour show, um, but only five matches. I was. You know, I, I was kind of surprised when I first looked at the card that that's it. That's, there's only five matches, um, but obviously, yeah, two two long elimination chamber matches. The main event was very long. Uh, I, I as a viewer, I guess I would I prefer fewer matches rather than than more. And it seems like there have been a lot of, especially in the in the direct to consumer network era, where I think executives were incentivized via their bonuses to make these shows longer. Because the more watch time that accumulated, the greater their bonuses. And, and that it's not the only thing that played into their bonuses, but it was a factor among others. So I think there were there were in in the pre Peacock era of the network, there was an incentive by leadership to make these shows quite long. So I, I attended a SummerSlam in 2016 in Brooklyn, and it was. I think, like, a five-hour-long show. I, I think I sat down at, like, 6 a.m. and I didn't leave until 11 or something like that. So I prefer
2: a, a, a shorter show, for sure. Um, I think it's... And it helps, like, with WWE, at least, like, there the, the downtime in between matches is when the show is pacing, I think can get really frustrating because there'll be a ton of vignettes and backstage segments and recap videos and musical yeah. li- live musical performances and all these things that as a fan i don't really care about and when you stick to a show that only has five matches but the matches are longer that means you're getting like way more in-ring time and less you know fluff in, a, in between the matches and things like that which and, and there was quite a bit of fluff
0: in between the matches in terms of the video packages Th- there were at least three video packages each for for Ronda Rousey, I think for, for Ronda Rousey, for Cody, for Bianca Belair, and for the Miz in between each of these matches. All, all you know, each each person who was not on this show, I guess, just because you know you have this audience here that's probably fairly large, and and it was just they were just personality pieces, really. So that was put in between matches as well as the video packages for the match you're about to see and all that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. We're not going to review content here, but but the main event was. What I expected it to be in terms of this atmosphere and this 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 you know extremely rabid Montreal crowd cheering for for Sami Zayn. I guess as a, as a memory and an image, one of the things that I'll I'll remember really well is I think the first haluva kick that Sammy hits. I think it's before there's rough bumps and, yeah. and all all that. He hits this haluva kick and Montreal is ready to buy it, and and I've never felt that this before is where you hit, hit the, the one two and you can almost feel the entire venue like rise up and like peer in down on, on the on the ring like they were
2: gonna lose their minds if that was the finish and then no, nothing um yeah i mean i thought it was a sh- i thought the match itself was was very entertaining because of the audience it was mm-hmm. it felt lively it felt energetic i was intriguing to see what Decision WWE was going to make and how they were going to go about it. I guess the one thing I'll ask you, as, as someone that was in the building, what did you feel like the atmosphere was like when when Sammy lost? Did you feel like the audience was frustrated? It was kind of hard to tell. Like, it went silent on TV, but then when Kevin Owens came out, I kind of, like, felt like I got them back into it. But what was kind of the atmosphere like when Sammy lost and then also, like, exiting the building? You said, I mean, maybe you didn't see that because you... Didn't I, I was, the like, Finish
0: right? Happened and, and I was a few seconds later leaving my seat, but I was walking around and I was, and I, and I was running downstairs. I, I, I do remember like thinking about that as I'm like racing through the concourse here and like sort of looking at people's faces. I, I'm, I guess I would just say that was, they were deflated. Um, I think there's, there's a conversation to be had about what, what did that, what did that fit doing that finish do to the, to the Montreal market? Um, and I mean clearly it, it, def- it was deflating and it disappointed people you could go to the extreme and say they killed the territory and now when they go back to Montreal they're not going to draw as much because because their hero lost in, in this big match which is something that you know Vince creative uh, you know did religiously was was pound, pound hometown people down uh, on on TV um, but 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 yeah it, it was it was I'm sure deflating for a lot of people and this is something that Sami Zayn talked about Somewhat in in the press conference, in terms of he's, he talked about, um, he could see pain
2: in people's faces and stuff like that. So M- my impression, I would my impression on this show, Elimination Chamber. I don't know if we'll, I don't know if we'll really get like accurate viewing data from it, but maybe the, I don't know. Have you checked the Google Trends for it? I would, I would imagine that this show had a lot of interest compared to a normal like B pay per view for WWE. That's was the sense so. that I got, just anecdotally. I felt like I saw a lot of people who maybe would only tune in for the Royal Rumble and WrestleMania uh, were checking this show out because they were into the Sami Zayn and Roman Reigns feud. Mm-hmm. And the impression I got was that they were frustrated that this was kind of the typical way that WWE has handled these things in the past, which is beating the guy the fans wanted to win. Um, a lot of interference. The the two ref bumps, very, you know, sports entertainment-y style finish it was all things that i kind of expected as a fan but i do think that this was a real opportunity not just in the montreal market but in the broader sense to teach fans that hey wwe is different now look at this great storyline look at this big payoff we're going to deliver look at how much the fans are going to love it and the fact that they kind of balked at that i think might be it'll be interesting to see because the Sami Zayn stuff was over attendance was very strong ratings were very strong you know this last month or, or even going further back what kind of impact is Sammy losing and kind of, it looks like Sammy going to be moving on to a lesser feud with the Usos. Um, what kind of impact does that have on, on SmackDown's ratings? What kind of impact does that have on the company? Cause I did think this was a big opportunity to kind of send a strong message to fans who are maybe returning to the product after a few years away, that, that this is going to be different. And the fact that they delivered on something that was very similar to what Vince McMahon would do. Um, and maybe that's a sign of something else, but, uh, I thought it was a missed opportunity.
0: S- so, did you have something to
2: Oh, uh,
1: I was just I was just going to say, like, you know, kind of go back to the press conference for this. I feel like somebody else could have asked, too, like, you know, clearly the fans are behind Sammy Zayn. Like, where do you, Triple H, see his spot at WrestleMania? Because I think that's going to cause some backlash when it is what we're thinking is just a tag match um, yeah. that he's going to be in, so...
0: I mean, I, I expected the finish that we got, What yeah. was Roman retaining, um, probably because I mean, at least in for me as a fan, I, I get wanting to do. I mean, what what scenario do you have for WrestleMania if Sami Zayn wins? Uh, does I guess he faces Cody, and then what do you do with Roman? I think that it's a stronger card in the end if you have Owens and, and Sami Zayn against the Usos and Roman against Cody, and I think, I think. Roman Reigns holding this title for so long uh, creates a value that is, for like the last twenty years, has been foreign to WWE. Um, but anyway, the 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 TV rating um, we have the fast affiliate TV rating uh, for for SmackDown on Friday and it did okay. This was not a, another big big rating, but um, let's see here. We have the the fast affiliate and of course that. Have, have, done a projection on what I think the final is going to be that that will come out I think it will come out on Friday afternoon I don't think President's Day is a Nielsen holiday but uh it was the prelim measured uh the the fast affiliate measured 2.254 million viewers and it's usually lately it's about five and a half percent higher than that so that would be 2.38 million viewers so this would be close to the level of two weeks ago uh, but not one of these big ratings that we've seen in recent history like the the pre-royal rumble number or the john cena december 30th
2: number but another decent rating um i would have to and, look- and, yeah and look at the trend since like december versus right. where they were at previously there's obviously momentum that's that's there with with sammy zane and i don't think roman was on this smackdown correct he might have had a bet. Ba- no no, I I did
0: watch most of SmackDown. He was not I don't think his face appeared in, in new content. For, right before. Right. So Smackdown.
2: I and I don't wanna I don't wanna go as far as just like totally dismiss Roman as like he's a, he, Roman's presence is a key part of this angle, obviously. But this is a Sammy this is a Sami Zayn interest in Sami Zayn, interest in Sami Zayn potentially winning the title driven story that I think has really pumped up SmackDown's viewership over the last it's really since really since kind of December. Um and to that extent, I wonder, like, where do they return? You know, obviously, you're building up to WrestleMania, so the viewership should should be up. But now that fans see Sami Zayn slotted at a lesser level, um, what yeah. kind of impact does that have on it? Does that hurt what has been a very strong ratings trend for SmackDown over the last month or so? Yeah, I,
0: I don't think I could say in the time that I've been writing about wrestling, I guess so we're, we're saying 2015 forward. I don't think I could say I, I I've been able to look at tv ratings and say wow tv ratings are up because it's got to be because a a, this one storyline is really connecting um and that's what i see in this smackdown rating um and i I just don't think that that's really ever happened in in my sort of in in my last seven eight years of of looking at this stuff um so it's it 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 raises a question about like what was that the the right thing to do and are they going to be able to maintain this uh these ratings it'll be interesting to watch going forward if there was some investment in Sami Zayn, that is you know that now that 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 question has been answered and it does that lower the intrigue despite as you said jesse we're building up to wrestlemania usually january through march and and the post-wrestlemania period are a really strong period for for ratings uh as well as other areas uh for wb including attendance um the attendance from Wrestleticks, well, not the attendance, we should probably use the word tickets, distributed the estimate from Wrestleticks for Elimination Chamber last night, 14,200. 14,200 is the latest count uh, from Elimination Chamber. Triple H called it the biggest uh, gate in Montreal history for WWE. Um, and that it's slightly higher in tickets distributed than the SmackDown was, which was thirteen. Thousand nine hundred, and I think I have it here. I noticed when I was, you know, seated way up, and for people watching on YouTube, this thing right here is the WrestleMania sign. So the WrestleMania sign is sort of obscuring my view of of the hard cam area here. But as as far as I could tell, it's probably hard to make out. If you are watching a video, this right here is the hard cam, or at least one of the hard cams. And I don't think that they were taking out, you know dozens or hundreds of seats like they usually do to, to set up the hard cam. There was like a a full first, first bowl section that was full of people in seats, which is very unusual. And and people who have attended wrestling events, uh, I'm I'm sure you know what I'm talking about, where you've got the hard cam side where the hard cam is, and it's all draped off and there's the hard cam is there. And rather than that, in the Bell Center last night, and I don't know what it was at first SmackDown. I didn't attend SmackDown, but the hard cam was was stationed in in this entrance tunnel. So I wonder if, and I, I'd be curious to know what SmackDown was like. Uh, so I wonder if they were actually able to raise the capacity uh, for this event because of the lack of production kills, because they put it maybe they positioned. The hard cam differently, and I don't know if that's particular because of the way that this venue is set up, or if that was a decision that was made to increase ticket sales and increase inventory.
2: So that was interesting. Well, I believe the the Bell Center is a very um, large building. To the it's very st- steep like- <laughs> <where I> was <laughs> right? Like it's it's like I tend like I believe it's. It- <sighs> It's it's got to be it's probably close to the size of like Rupp Arena or the United Center like it's it's big even like it's I don't it might be the biggest like arena of its size in like the U.S. and Canada or in North America. Um, Rupp Arena might be a little bit bigger than it, and maybe a, a few other buildings, but it's like I think it seats like twenty two thousand people for for basketball or hockey. Uh, so it's it maybe it maybe and because it's primarily a hockey arena where most buildings like of the size that w WW, WW normally runs is primarily a basketball arena or a basketball and hockey arena maybe it has just a different setup i'm not that sure but um it's, it's because there was demand for it i assume like because they knew they could sell those tickets and they wanted to have as many seats as possible to make as much money so that that's why i assume they did it and um it was interesting. Like I think they, the secondary the t- they, so they distribute a lot of tickets. The secondary market, I think a few days out, was like for the get in price was $41, which wasn't that much. Um, so the secondary market wasn't super hot, but obviously there's no denying the amount of fans that they put building uh, over the two nights, almost 30,000 fans, uh, if you go by the Russell Ticks figures. have you, um, you, you been Googling yeah, something?
1: Yeah, so with capacity of 21,105, it is the largest ice hockey arena
0: in the world. So 21,000 that's for hockey.
2: Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, there's usually more tickets for basketball because the hockey arena, the hockey service is bigger, but Mm. that it's, it's, it's like, you know, it's, it's significantly larger than like the TD garden here or, you know, the whatever. I mean, some of them like the United center are really big, but it's much larger than your standard NBA building, NHL building. And by the way, if you want to put a
0: super chat in, uh, if you have a question or a comment you, you would like us to, to answer or address, feel free to do a super chat if you're watching live on YouTube. Um, I guess we'll, we'll move away from Elimination Chamber and go to the other big story this week. Um, just, just more follow-up on the WE potential sale. Uh, there was a Bloomberg article that came out this week, which we'll get to. But people still think this is still a majority view. Well, according to this very scientific Twitter poll, which which, uh, has 2,500 votes for people who saw this tweet of mine, uh, where I asked, Do you think WWE will be sold or merged or taken private sometime this year? Yes, no, or I don't know. And 64% say yes, WWE will be sold or merged or taken private sometime this year. Just 22% saying no and 15% saying I don't know. Um so that's you know 6 to 2 people in favor of believing that that a sale will take place. Um I am somewhat skeptical, but I will get to why. Um there's a report from Bloomberg with byline from Lucas Shaw saying that Vince McMahon is asking for 9 billion dollars for WWE. That is his that is his asking price. Um I don't know that there was a ton of new information in, in this article. Beyond that, let's see here. Um, the company has already received offers," said the people. This was attributed as, what, well, what, according to people familiar with Vincent Mann's thinking. And, um, imagine being familiar with Vincent McMahon's thinking. Um, the company has already already received offers," said the people. This is the Bloomberg article, who requested that they not be identified because the discussions are private. WB declined to comment. Uh, shares were up on Friday. They were they were up. <laughs> very close around the time that, so very, very much immediately after this article came out, they shot up to 91 for a moment, but they came, I believe, back down under 90 uh, shortly thereafter. Uh, the Bloomberg article writes, the list of potential buyers for the WWE includes Endeavor Holdings, Inc., Uh, Endeavor Group Holdings, Inc., the owner of UFC, as well as investors from the Middle East who have already made major investments in golf and soccer. Endeavor would need financial help from a third party since its market capitalization of $10.4 billion is only a bit more than what McMahon wants. But the company has already shown it can integrate and grow a sports media business with a divisive founder in the UFC. And, of course, alluding to to Dana White. Uh, The article goes on. Larger strategic buyers such as Netflix Inc. or Walt Disney Company may be uneasy taking on a business controlled by McMahon that involves the sometimes messy personal lives of its wrestlers, or maybe, maybe more so actually their, their executives. Uh, yet McMahon may not find buy, many buyers eager to pay his price considering the shaky global economy and rising interest rates. A valuation of $9 billion amounts to about seven times the company's $1.29 billion in sales last year and 23 times its adjusted operating income before depreciation and amortization, both at the high end for the entertainment industry. Um, so I think my opinion about this is that I think in this economic environment, as the article mentions, interest rates are increasing as, as, we, as we kind of enter into this, maybe recession, maybe not, but interest rates have increased. And I think a high price like $9 billion probably is only, if, if that's, I think we should consider why this information got out. Somebody wants this information out, so they want that asking price out. Somebody does. Who knows who? People, people familiar with Vince McMahon's thinking. Um, so I, I think that that price probably only makes sense for a sovereign wealth company or a sovereign wealth fund like the Saudi Public Investment Fund, which would have not just business interests in owning WWE, but would have another kind of interest, a public relations interest, uh, in in owning WB. And I think you can forget any of these major media conglomerates like Comcast, uh, buying at that price, uh, especially if that's the price that it takes to get Vince out of control, which I would imagine is, is a must have for, for anybody like Comcast or Disney to, to take this, this company over besides the risks that just being associated with WB presents to your brand. Um, I think WB may be worth seven billion dollars, uh, depending on the quality, you know, the, the interest rate, your, the financing you can get. Um, but WB as a stock is not a growth stock. Uh, it is, as I've learned this terminology, it is a value stock. This is not a company that's going to explode in growth going forward. It has performed very well in the last calendar year, in in a, in a time when the indexes did not perform well, but. The the notion that WWE is going to grow uh, greatly in value over the next several years is, is less certain. I think the live rights market is strong for WWE for the foreseeable future. I believe they're probably going to get a good deal 1.5, 1.7x on their next US TV rights deal if they end up directly dealing it. Um, but the horizon of the just the value of what TV rights are going to be like for live sports beyond the point of a few years from now is a lot less certain. Um, and I think getting this story out there that Vince is looking for $9 billion sets the stage that, okay, if, it, when it, if a sale doesn't happen, we've got this ready, ready-made ready explanation here of, look, that was our asking price, and we, we tried really hard to make sure that, the, you know, we got the best value for our shareholders, but nobody
2: wanted to pay it. Um, right, if we if we go back to Nick Khan's comment that we talked about two weeks ago when he said someone asked him, um, you know, would WWE, would Vince consider a move that maybe would take him out of a position of power? And what well, it was the words Nick Khan used specifically? He said they would, uh, you know, he would a hundred percent be open to he's a hundred percent kind of, yes. Right. And maybe if someone writes him a $9 billion check, he'll, that's what, that's how he'll be open. That's the kind of deal he'll be open to, but there's no guarantees. And, I do think, you know, as we've been following this potential sale since the start of the year, um, the list of of possible candidates that could purchase WWE have been uh, shrinking, it seems like, as far as serious. You know, the first few articles were like, you know, here's Amazon, here's Netflix, here's Disney. Um, And now it really does seem like the only two major ones that really feel like a possibility are Endeavor in are Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. And so it does feel like if it does get sold, those are the two that are going are gonna to be sold to. And it's possible. Is this a possibility, Brandon? You might know more about this than I. But if Endeavor needs to take on a, a partner or some sort of outside financing to help with the, the purchase of WWE given the, the $9 billion price tag, and Ende- Endeavor's limited... Ability to pay that? Could it be possible that Saudi Arabia and Endeavor together purchase the company, and that Saudi Arabia is a major financier, but Endeavor purchases the company?
0: Yeah, this is something that that, that crossed my mind that I've I've asked people about, and I I don't feel like I have a, a clear answer yet, but that the, it it seems possible um, that that's may, maybe that they would cooperate on some sort of transaction to either take W private or. Spin spin off UFC into WWE, um, but I think that's something that should that we should keep on the table as a possibility.
2: And the other thing is, at the start of the article, it says what uh, companies the company has said they've already gotten offers for. Offers have been made, according to anonymous sources within the company. The companies already receive offers.
0: Yes, who, who requested to not be identified.
2: Right. If you were, if you were going to benefit from wwe's sale wouldn't it behoove you to tell the media that you've already received some offers who knows what the nature of those
0: offers are are they for vince yeah. mcmahon's nine billion dollar asking price are are, are 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 they you know for you know the the, the pocket change that, that somebody's got in their pocket right I mean, and
2: that, that, suppose, that's you know vince it's this isn't vince coming out and saying nine billion dollars that's what it will take this is People familiar with Vince's thinking, which I think could describe a very wide range of people, uh, depending on how familiar with this thinking we want to discuss. Um, are you Are you familiar with Vince Vance thinking? How well, I said like you? like 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 I'm like every like us three think. Did you, talk did you get about this? Vince's did you, thinking all the time this? and have studied Vince's thinking? So like, are we familiar? Do we count as being familiar with Vince's thinking? I always thought that I thought I told you I told you guys this separately when the story first came out. But I was like, that's kind of a weird way to describe a source is people familiar with his thinking. Like, why wouldn't you say people familiar with the with the sale negotiations or people familiar with, you know, discussions within this about the sale? It's just people familiar with Vince's thinking. Who, who, who could those be? It could be a lot a wide variety of people. But it's it's just a, it's kind of a rumor at this point. It's not Vince saying $9, $9 billion, but that's kind of what's been leaked out here.
0: I mean, given it's Bloomberg, I would assume that, that, that the standards are fairly high for what they're yes. publishing without naming the person on the record. Um, do, do, you, you would know better than I would. Like, are there, do, do you think that there's a policy within Bloomberg about how anonymous attributions like this are, are made? Like I I would think that this, you know, this just fits into some category and they say, okay, we'll call it people familiar with his thinking.
2: I mean, it's very well possible. I'm not super familiar with like Bloomberg's regular articles and, and their practices, but given the nature of what they tend to cover, which is probably communicating a lot with high ranking inside official officials, um, with major companies that it's possible that this is a standard form of attribute, uh, attribution for, for sources, um, to avoid any complications or outing of any sources and obviously that's something that they're really reliant upon given the nature and the things that they report they need to have connections within the hierarchy of big companies so i
0: i uh we we have we have this, this image uh you know i could um to to say that vince if this is assume this is true, that, that Vince's asking price is $9 billion. Well, I have a beater car that, you know, if, if somebody wanted to, to pay uh, $20,000, let's say, for my beater car that's got over 100,000 miles on it, yeah, I, I, would, I would consider it. I just, you know, just raise the bar really high and, uh, you know, but nobody's going to do that, of course. Um,
2: but, so you, you think the $9 billion price tag is far more than the company is probably worth?
0: Who does it make sense, why does it make sense to buy WWE at $9 billion? It makes sense. I mean, look, the, the, the price of the stock indicates that it's worth $6.5 billion, market capitalization. Mm-hmm. So you're buying it at a $2.5 billion premium if you're buying it for $9 billion. That a, only makes a, as you sense said. if you're a, a country whose government maybe has some problems with its public relations image and wants to associate itself with sports to improve its, its image around the world. Because that's, that's not something that Disney needs. It's not something that Comcast needs.
2: And as you said, like, WWE is not a growth stock. So it's not like you're buying, yeah. um, you know, a tech talk, uh, stock in a tech startup that right. could explode in value in futures. It's kind of a lot of WWE's, you know, revenue is baked in to its guaranteed deals, which show, showcases some stability and one of the reasons that it hasn't been – the stock price hasn't been as impacted by – The economy, as it as as other stock prices, but it's not something that you can really bet on making a lot more money over the next few decades. And so, the the stock price at the close of the market on Friday
0: was eighty seven dollars, ninety eight cents, almost eighty eight dollars. And I think what's baked into this is a lot of speculation and expectation. Like I think. Sometimes over the course of, of, of covering WB stock, I feel like Wall Street has a pretty good handle on the value of WB or un- understands it. This sort of collective economic determination between supply and demand of this stock has, has usually often has a pretty good handle of what the value of this company should be or at least what the value of stock should be. And I think we're now at a at – a, between my opinion and Wall Street's opinion, it's pretty different right now. I am – I think there's more uncertainty about a sale than the stock price indicates. And if a stock price and if a, and if a sale doesn't happen, and I think we should have a pretty good idea within the next three months or so, because it's either make a make a sale in these next three months, or if we're not going to make a sale, we have to go deal TV rights. So, we we the, this stock price may be in for a correction sometime soon. That, and by that I mean it's going to go down uh, if if I'm right.
2: So that leads to the question, what happens if they don't sell? What happens to Vince McMahon who, who came back only to initiate a sale? What happens if they ultimately don't sell? Um, will, will that negatively impact the stock price? Will stockholders be upset that a sale was initiated, essentially, but then didn't end up happening? The stock price um, will go down.
0: Um, because there's so much speculation baked in about the likelihood that this mm-hmm. stock will be will be sold at a premium. There will be shareholder lawsuits because shareholders will sue and argue that they were misled about the value of this company and believe that you were going to make a sale and you do not generally – we accuse you of not generally trying to make a sale. Um, I don't know what happens then. Can – can this company afford more settlements, that, or are the arguments just not strong enough that, that W can, can fight that legal battle? I don't, I'm, I'm, I don't feel well-positioned to answer that. And then I think what happens is W makes TV deals, probably at a, at a nice upgrade. Okay, TV deals are done. And then I think until, until I see evidence that start, starts to persuade me otherwise, that I think Vince would like to be more involved with this company, perhaps in control of creative and now with these these important business events having happened, TV deal secured, um, his return and, and retirement over sexual misconduct allegations sort of complicated now in the past. It's obfuscated in the past. And now he can maybe get the power back that
2: he lost. Right. And it's, it's kind of like... Vince was able to strong arm his way back into the company and get the public to tolerate it and get the stockholders to tolerate it because he announced he was going to put the company up for sale, which maybe led to some people being like, we really don't like that Vince is back in charge, but if he's going to sell the company and help make us a bunch of money, then it's okay. And if it all kind of ends up being a bit of a ruse where Vince said he was going to sell the company, but only for this exaggerated price, and if that price is never met, Vince is just still around... Do people get upset about that? You said lawsuits happen. There's already been some signs that people are, you know, stockholders that are frustrated that Vince is back and that Vince. Uh, there's already been a couple of lawsuits related to that. So this, how damaging would this be to I think like Vince's ability to, to 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 be a player in WWE if the sale doesn't happen?
0: Maybe it just depends on how strong the legal arguments can be made that shareholders were misled. Um, I th- maybe that's part, a big part of the answer. I and
2: think, if, yeah. if I'm the, if I'm the kingdom of Saudi Arabia, if I were to give advice to their investment funds, <laughs> the public investment fund, um, I would say if I, if Saudi Arabia is the only prospective buyer that would be okay with Vince having a major role in the company and, uh, w, Vince has to sell it to someone that would keep him having a major role in the company, cause that's what he cares about the most. Why would I pay nine billion dollars for it if I'm the only prospective buyer that can really right. that can really satisfy what Vince wants? Unless
0: there are two, which may bring us to our next topic. The um, I, I hope I have some uh, some some football fans, not American football fans, here who can help me. Um, Manchester United is is another. I should I should have set it up this way. Did you know that there's a publicly traded company that's, a, that's a, a, a sports league that is being sold right now? Well, there's a sports company that's being sold right now that uh, has the Rain Group helping them make this sale and um, has interest from sovereign wealth, including the Saudi government. No, I'm not talking about WB. talking about Manchester United. Um, are you guys familiar with this story? I've, I've only become aware of this over the weekend, that Manchester United is, is being shopped.
2: Yes. Yeah. Okay.
0: And who's helping them? The same firm, the same financial advisory firm—I think is the right
2: terminology—that
0: is advising WWE on a sale. That is the Rain Group. Um, and this article comes from. Let's see here. We have an article coming from a, a local Manchester publication, Manchester Evening News. Uh, that 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 writes Manchester United is up are up for sale. Excuse me, we're in Europe now, with a diverse list of potential. Investors registering an interest in acquiring the club, which is one of the most valuable sports brands of the world. There has been talk of an internal takeover in addition to a number of bids being ta- being tabled from around the world with interest from the Middle East, USA, a British investor, in the form of Sir Jim Ratcliffe. whatever Whoever chooses to turn their interest into a concrete bid will have until the 10 p.m. deadline to register their interest. Um... The, the RAIN group is involved. Who are the RAIN group? Any interest which evolves into concrete bids on Friday will be subject to scrutiny from investment from an investment banking firm, the RAIN group. Um, and who could make a bid? There are a number of names in the, in the mix. With United being a huge global brand and wide-range wide of potential suitors, Qatar and Saudi Arabia are both believed to be in the mix, as well as individuals in the form of Ratcliffe and potentially Elon Musk. Um, two things here if WWE is really going to be sold then I would expect to start to hear about a process like the process that we're hearing surrounding Manchester United where there's a deadline to get bids in, we've heard nothing about that in relation to WWE at this point um, so maybe that maybe that is a story that materializes in, in the, the weeks and months to come um, and I think it's reasonable to think about whether or not Qatar government, who just hosted the World Cup, might also be interested in, in owning WWE. And I'm not sure um, what the what the international relationship is like between Saudi Arabia and Qatar. Obviously, Saudi Arabia and WWE currently have an agreement for their, you know, fifty million
2: dollars <laughs> a year. Event, it's not. So it's not good, Brandon. Involved. It's not good. No, tell me about it. I mean, I I don't I'm not qualified to go into huge detail uh, about the issue, but there is a bit uh, there's a there's a rivalry between the two nations. Obviously, Saudi Arabia is much larger than Qatar, but they both swim in the same uh, swim in the same uh, same lake as far as looking. They have you know similar plans, which are to transition away from a petroleum based economy, and part of that is by helping promote the pub, the, comp- the country's public image, and part of that is by promoting entertainment and buying sports teams. We know the Saudis own, you know, they recently purchased Newcastle United, another Premier League team. Hmm. They have, obviously, have a lot of events and soccer events and other sporting events that take place in their country, including the WWE They um, reportedly made, made
0: a big bid for the, the entirety of Formula One.
2: Yep. Yeah. Um, did you know that, the, that I learned this this week that the Dakar Rally race, which was a famous uh, rally car race where they would race from Dakar, Senegal, to France, and it's the, it's called the Dakar Rally. It's like a race across Africa. That that race now takes place in Saudi Arabia. It's still a Dakar Rally, but it's it's in Saudi Arabia. Um, and Qatar has had similar investments. Qatar owns Paris Saint Germain, you know, which has now become the biggest soccer team in France. Um, and definitely the most the probably the wealthiest soccer team in the world when it comes to their ability capacity to spend on things um, the the United Arab Emirates which is another player in the Middle East they own Manchester City Manchester United's rival club and also are involved in a lot of other purchases I mean any anytime a, anytime a football team a, a soccer club comes up for sale there is consideration from investment from the Middle East uh, my club Tottenham Hotspur is also uh, Maybe for sale. Maybe part of it is for sale, and the uh, I believe the uh, Emirate government is also interested in buying a a control a, a sizable stake in Tottenham. Um, so this is standard fare for European soccer for the um, wealthy sovereign nations, primarily from the Middle East, getting involved in the purchasing of these huge clubs, mainly for clout uh, and for and there's it's a it's probably the biggest. It's probably the biggest talking point in like global soccer, as far as like, what does this mean for the game? Does it is Does it? How does it impact player spending? Is it pricing out other clubs? And it's a massive, massive issue that has constantly been talked about. Really since, uh, really since Chelsea was purchased by Roman, Roman Abramovich twenty years ago, but 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 more recently when Manchester City was purchased by uh, the Emirate government.
0: So, so in, in your non-professional, uh, in, in, in internal affairs opinion. Would the fact that WB has, you know, it's, what, seven years in, in, or three years into a, into a 10-year deal with the Saudi government to do two events a year that glorifies Saudi Arabia, does, is, does that present an obstacle for the Qataris wanting to own WB if they have to absorb this seven more years of, of big events in Saudi Arabia twice a
2: year? Uh, that's a good question. Um I don't know the contractual language of the Saudi Arabia WW deal. Could it be that if WWE is sold, that the new owners could choose to not honor those deals? Right. Um, we obviously it would be seem foolish because of the amount of revenue that is associated with it. But if you're and, and what legal
0: teeth would the the Saudis have to enforce a contract if it was owned by another sovereign nation? You know,
2: uh, right? Question, questions don't. above my head. To pounce, to pound and could they put on the shows and be less glorification of of Saudi Arabia? I, I I don't know. I I find the Qatari government buying WWE kind of unlikely. Yes, they have the wealth to to, to do it. Is it something that they would in, that would interest them? I have no idea. They don't. There's nothing stopping the Qatar Qatari government from having their own you know having their own WWE come to them and have their own big you know pro Qatar shows. I'm sure Nick Khan and Vince McMahon would be very open to. To another deal, similar one hundred percent open. Yeah, I think they would be. Well, I think they would be a billion percent uh, enthusiastic about a potential another deal the size of the Saudi Arabia deal with another country. Maybe the future is just WWE going to twelve different, um, you know, autocratic nations that are willing to host propaganda shows each year, and that's where all every pay per view is. Um, but uh, I yeah, it would seem hard for them to to do such a thing. I know. So the the Saudi Arabia government allegedly was not was very annoyed that Qatar got the world cup its its little neighbor next door that they don 't like somehow managed to get the world 's largest sporting event and not them. And Saudi Arabia has now shifted their uh, attempts to, to, to host the World Cup themselves as part of a joint bid with both Greece and Egypt. So it would be like Greece, Egypt, and Saudi Arabia would host the World Cup as some sort of Mediterranean-based World yeah. Cup. And I think this week it was reported that Saudi Arabia is willing to fund the entire you know, construction infrastructure costs for both Egypt and Greece – um, to help sweeten their uh, appeal to the, to because to, they wouldn't want to have it just in Saudi Arabia because that's a bad look. But if FIFA could could sell it as this Mediterranean thing and they, they uh, the Saudis are willing to fund, you know, Greece and Egypt's construction costs to make it so that it's not just, you know, their propaganda, it's the entire Middle East or M- Mediterranean areas pro- propaganda show um, or event so there's a i mean i like i said i don't i don't i don't really know that much about like the actual geopolitical manifestations of these two nations but i do know that they've been in a bit of a rivalry when it comes to you know kind of acquiring entertainment talent uh because they're they're kind of have the same kind of idea which is to how are we going to transition away from our petroleum-based economy as the world shifts away from petroleum as its primary energy source
1: um i do have some information on that actually uh first of all we got some information in the chat uh as far as there was a blockade from 2017 to 2021 between the two nations.
2: There was something like Saudi Arabia was actually trying to like cut off because Qatar is the peninsula that I think is attached to Saudi Arabia. And like Saudi Arabia was like, like the way it was framed to me was that they were literally trying to cut them off from the mainland. Like they were trying to to turn them into almost like an island nation uh, by blocking that border.
1: And there's been a struggle for influence uh between the two and people often refer to it as the new uh Arab Cold War. So if you know, with our Cold War experience, you know how that is. Anything you could do, I can do better, you know.
2: I don't have any Cold War experience. I'm too young. I just wanna put that put that out there.
0: Um so yeah, if if people don't know, we have a map here that I mean, Qatar, if, if you don't already know, is, is a is a small nation that's in the Persian Gulf. Um and it shares the border with, with Saudi Arabia. Um, so anyway, we'll move to MLW versus WWE. No, no it's not, not an interpromotional show coming to reels. It is a, uh, a lawsuit that is, that is in the North, Northern District of California. Uh, dismissed It was, were some of the headlines that I, that I read. Um, let's see what's actually happening here. Is uh, The Honorable Edward Davila who's the judge in this case, uh, has ruled that this case, that the complaint that MLW made just about one year ago um, has been dismissed. But MLW has, as of February 13th, 21 days, three weeks to file an amended complaint. And MLW has, uh, Court Bauer, who's the CEO of, of MLW, has said that our legal team is already working is already at work on mending the complaint. And we have every intention of continuing to pursue our case against WWE. Um, So that was a a comment that Court Bauer gave to PW Insider. I mean, I wouldn't rule out this case still getting to to discovery, um, which is what, what a lot of this litigation has become at this point is an argument between WWE's lawyers and, and MLW's lawyers about whether or not this case should, should get to discovery or whether or not the, the, Judge should try to dismiss it uh, before it gets to that point. W does not want lots of its records becoming public record, uh, which is what would happen in the discovery process. Um, to get into the details here, the judge wrote a response uh, about why this case is being dismissed, uh, saying, The court finds that MLW has not, con- not included sufficient facts to plausibly allege a relevant antitrust product market Um, And basically what MLW was alleging in in their complaint that, that came out a year ago was that WWE interfered and prevented MLW from making business deals with multiple partners, including Tubi, which MLW claims they were on on the eve of making an announcement that MLW content was coming to Chris Gullo's favorite streaming service, Tubi, which is owned by Fox. And according to MLW, WWE interfered in that deal Tubi is owned by Fox, Fox broadcasts WWE Smackdown, that's the connection there, and according to MLW, Vince McMahon had Susan Levinson, who was at that time the head of WWE Studios Vince had her call a Vice executive and get the Vice deal that MLW was working on with Vice, get that deal killed of course, MLW aired one episode of, of MLW content on Vice, and then aired no more so MLW was alleging antitrust, and the judge is, is is basically saying here that, you know, that MLW is not making a good enough argument in that respect. Um, so we'll read a little bit more here. Regarding the proposed market, the, the complaint alleges only that there are four competitors in the United States professional wrestling market that the business of promoting professional wrestling as sports entertainment is fundamentally a media industry with revenues and business valuations driven largely by fees obtained from broadcasting rights deals, and that corporations such as NBCU and Fox, quote, purchase rights in the proposed market for their various distribution channels such as broadcast networks, cable and satellite services, streaming networks, and film production companies, end quote. These facts, as pled, this is... This is the judge writing. These facts, as pled, are not sufficient to provide an understanding of the characteristics of the relevant market, including the existence or the lack of substitutes. For example, there are no allegations addressing why other, quote-unquote, sports entertainment or, quote-unquote, media content for which broadcasting rights might be sold to distribution channels are not appropriate substitutes. MLW is correct that a single sport may constitute a relevant market, but there are no facts alleged in the complaint. To support the legal conclusion, what does this mean? Um, I, my interpretation of this is that the judge is saying MLW has to argue why wrestling content is the substitute for wrestling content, and other non-wrestling content is not the substitute for wrestling content. And this this is uh, an, uh, a response that W has raised too, to, say, ah, in, in, in w to to say, in very WWE way, to us, ah, we're not wrestling, we're. We're part of this broader, broader, broader world, um, which we compete with, and that's that's why we're not violating antitrust, among other reasons. Um, but yeah, I don't know that we we need to go way into the weeds here on on more of this. But uh, this may or may not be over; we shall see. Any any thoughts here?
2: No, just that I feel like there's been the for the original when we originally heard about this lawsuit, it sounded kind of absurd that WWE would be. Uh, involved in it at all in the sense that like why would, the, would WWE really care that MLW had a has a TV deal on Tubi like it's not their primary competitor it's a very small streaming service would they really be petty enough to to try to squash that and at least as more information has come out it does seem to indicate that there's more truth to this than I originally assumed and it'll be very interesting to see if this does continue and Court Bauer has said that he's very you know enthusiastic about getting their legal team ready for
0: uh, And he does have a very high powered yeah. high profile legal team he's he's got Mark kasowitz's legal firm. Right
2: and that was kind of one of the first signs that kind of legitimized this which is like they'd got a really powerful legal team to work on this which which,
0: which makes... raises questions about how how MLW is affording a law firm that is probably so expensive. Maybe it's a mm-hmm. pro bono thing. Maybe their investors are involved in that. I don't know.
2: Yeah, well, there's, there's a strong belief in the validity of it, at least, in some way, whether it's pro bono, whether there's investors behind MLW that are willing to to pay a lot to get this thing settled, because there's a strong belief that, that they're going to win something out of it.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, and, uh, by the way, you can subscribe to WrestleNomics on Patreon. Patreon.com slash WrestleNomics is where I've reported TV ratings just about every weekday, as well as the quarter hours. You get access to the big Hellsonomics viewership spreadsheet. You get access to these slides that we're going through right now, among other analysis and reporting. Um, but moving on to NBC, according to CNBC, is interested in getting the NBA back. Of course, NBC used to broadcast the, M- the NBA years back. So it's, I think there's some questions here that this raises for, for wrestling. Um, and CNBC this is an article from Alex Sherman. They're also reporting that Apple and Amazon have expressed interest in, in NBA. So there's lots of interest from lots of players. The incumbents are Disney, ESPN, and WBD, TNT. Uh, and so, so the question that this raises: Okay, this is this is good news for for the NBA. It's good to have multiple people bidding on your house rather than fewer people bidding on your house. If NBC, NBC Universal, gets an NBA content, uh, what? Let's, let's let's experiment here. What channel might that content air on? USA. Oh, what, what else is on USA? That's interesting to us.
2: Uh, well, Chrisley knows well, best.
0: Chris, Chrisley <laughs> knows best. Um yeah, so knows Order, SBU, but but also uh, Raw and, and NXT, uh, which are occupying prime time slots for Monday and Tuesday right now for the USA network. There's no more NBC sports network as we know. So that content can't go there. I'm sure high-profile games could go on the NBC Broadcast Network. Um, but where else could that would that content live other than USA Network? And Can you
2: guys play Round Ball Rock
0: while we're discussing this? I, we would get demonetized, I'm sure. Is, that, is that, That's the MB, NBC NBA theme? That's that the NBA
2: on think? NBC theme song, do do which do do Tony Khan has purchased. Yeah, he purchased the rights to. Uh, and you now hear it during Dynamite when they're hyping up cards and things like that. Okay, so I, and I think
0: this raises questions for AEW, too. In that, like, at, David Zaslav, who's the CEO of of Warner Brothers Discovery, which controls TNT, he's sort of playing hardball, saying we don't necessarily need the NBA, we don't need sports. Um, it's hard to imagine TNT letting go of of the NBA. I think maybe they end up with less, with fewer games, with fewer NBA games than they currently have now. Um, but I think there's, there's 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 questions to think through about if TNT has fewer games, if that opens up maybe some time slots for AEW, or what's, what's come to mind for me recently is that, you know, look at this power slap that everybody's appalled with that's happening after Dynamite. Is, is that sort of, is that serving, whether intentionally or not, is that serving as some sort of trial run for a relationship with, between Dana White and WBD? Um, by the way, UFC's TV rights deals... Those, those, are, those are expiring in the not-too-distant future as well. AEW disp- expires if the option is picked up, which we assume that it will be, in December 2024, the end of 2024. NBA expires after the season ends in 2025, around June. And UFC expires at the end of 2025. So the order here goes, AEW needs a renewal, NBA needs a renewal, and then UFC needs a renewal. Now it may happen out of order. Who knows? But that's the order of expiration. There, it's AEW, NBA, and then UFC. Um, so it's just something to keep in mind. I wouldn't rule out UFC someday being on TNT, and what? And if it does, I would imagine that's probably not a good thing for AEW because it just it it, it sucks up more time that yeah you know, maybe W WBD would think is it's maybe it's a better strategy to put UFC in certain time slots rather than AEW although if you just look at pure ratings maybe AEW would do better in ratings than UFC at this point at least Um, on a general basis.
2: Yeah
1: if I could pivot this to like TV rights for wrestling right so like I think the market market's going to cool down a little bit for if you consider something second tier I don't know if you would consider WWE programming second tier sports but you probably would put AEW in that second tier category, um, and uh, there was an article this week from uh, Front Office Sports where yes. the Pac-12 TV rights, it's not it's not a huge market for that right now. Amazon is playing hardball, according to them, and Brett McMurphy from Action Network said that Warner Brothers Discovery is completely pulled out of, and of Pac-12. 12 this would be
0: football and basketball,
1: football and basketball, and and you would think that Pac-12 even mm-hmm. losing UCLA USC would be more valuable than AEW.
2: Yeah, but that's a depreciating, yeah. value. Everyone knows the Pac-12. The general belief is that the Pac-12 and some of these other di- conferences are who are the incumbents are for, be, for Pac-12. Who has the rights now? Fox,
1: Fox. and ESPN, but I think mostly yeah. Fox. Okay.
2: Yeah, but the Pac-12, I think, is like an obvious depreciating value in the sense that they're losing USC. They're using. They're losing UCLA. They're pro- What does that happen? Do they lose Stanford next? They lo- They're losing. U- I mean, I have to imagine USC and UCLA their top are stars. by far their biggest. Yeah, th- that's well, their they lose the LA star.
0: market. So I mean, if CM Punk yeah. was was a was a, a a college, a sports college, what what college would CM Punk be?
2: CM Punk, uh, hmm, he's probably we, he's not the biggest college, right? So I think USC is actually a good example because USC kind of has a. Uh, a national following to a degree, maybe UCLA to a less one, but certainly like USC football is something that has fans across the country. Um, But like the Pac-12, but it's a good, it's a good example of like, I don't think, I think Gullo, um, you're right. And like the second, if if we're going to start looking at this big fight for these first tier sports properties, like the NBA, um, are these ones going to get, well, who's going to get squeezed out of that? Because is that going to be, AEW and it all to me it's all about the AEW TV deal is all about like what do we consider like a success is AEW gonna get 300 million dollars per year probably not but how how much bigger than 44 million dollars can they get and what can we use to quantify as a success for AEW TV deals we we don't really know that and that's that's kind of like the the question that i that I'm really thinking about as we get closer and closer to that new television deal and something I talked about a lot on my podcast with Rich Kreich, which was, um, you know, when this new TV does happen, like does the public have any capacity to understand what a good TV deal is for AEW coming up? Like it's, it's, you know, if it's bigger than, if it's it's 100 million, is that good? Is that bad? If it's 150 million, is that good? Is that bad? Is it disappointing? From a financial standpoint, it needs to be an upgrade that will make them profitable. I don't know what that is. Right, know. we don't we don't even know what that would be. Yeah. Right, we don't know what would make them profitable. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, so, I would so, think
0: somewhere around one point five or or two X is what they is what they would need to be profitable.
2: I would guess, yes. and they which wouldn't own. be that big of an increase, really, if they got like a ninety million. If they were getting ninety million right. a year, this is massive money compared yeah. to other properties. Right, um, but and I think with the if, if if the if Warner Bros. Discovery does lose the NBA, and I, I kind of think they won't, um, now their management has shaken up before and there's obviously going to be a lot of bidders. Um, the thing with the NBA, unlike the NFL, is that there's nothing really stopping, and there's a whole other issue with the NBA with its regional markets and the Bally sports and the Sinclair issues that are going on there, but... Um, Unlike, like, say, like the NFL, which has a limited number of games, and every single game that they have is shown um, on to a national audience to a degree, the NBA has nights where there are no games on national TV. Right now, they have the NBA could always add more games to a national slate, so they can cut up their schedule to a degree where they could. Right now, yes, they have you know deal with ESPN and a deal with Warner Bros Discovery. They could say like, oh. NBC, you want games? We'll just toss you out some, some you know, Monday night games. You can throw them on NBC, NBC primetime if you want on Monday nights. You can do that. Or um, Amazon, you want to get involved? You now have Saturday night basketball on Amazon. Here you go. Here are some games. Like the NBA has so many games that take place during the season that they can cut it up more than they already have. So it's possible that a lot of these different network entities can share in the pie. Um if they want in a way that they can't really in the nfl although the nfl has done that too they moved you know thursday night football was just a way for them to to get more you know another satisfy another bidder um but it's one of those things i think i think nba is too important to warner brothers discovery and they've made moves in the past like they i think they signed charles barkley to like a 10-year contract for big money right and Barkley said on the on on uh the Bill Simmons podcast when he talked about signing his new deal and he said look they have to keep the nba and if they have the nba they want me so they had they, this is a sign that they're going to do anything it takes to to sign to get the nba if they're going to pay me 100 million dollars over 10 years you know what are they going to pay to have the actual nba product
0: and and from Test. a business perspective for the TNT network and TBS they're charging they're making money not just from advertising on their TV shows, but also from subscriber fees that they're charging mm-hmm. to cable and satellite operators. How are they justifying that by having lots of highly rated
1: live sports? And, right. uh, yeah. And we discussed on Thursday Brandon and I about the Bally sports thing, and that yeah. those more games might become available to just TV rights deals. And then, the, mm-hmm. then, you, and then you start to think about more time slots for like an AEW or something like that. Like, if they have for for people morning, who aren't, aren't familiar,
0: Bally Sports is is an umbrella that owns many regional sports networks, which is where you watch all the all your your local games that are not nationally televised on some place like TNT or TBS
2: or whatever. Um, and those are
0: having lots of financial turmoil right now.
2: Do you guys have a Do you guys have Bally Sports in Buffalo?
0: No, because we have MSG.
1: That's the uh, that's during the Sabres games. Yeah. Well, okay. air the Airs Sabres.
2: What, what is Yeah, it seems to me like Nesson more like a Midwest okay. thing. Yeah, what'd you say? Nessen is its own independent company. We have two. Yeah, we have Nessen, which has which is owned by the John Henry, who owns the Red Sox, and they they broadcast all the Red Sox and Bruins games. And we also have NBC Sports Boston, which is obviously owned by NBC, and they have the Celtics uh, games.
0: We have one more story here, one one kicker here. We have some data from, from the Twitter account, TV Grim Reaper, who shared some some Nielsen data, for the average viewership for the entire week ending, was it ending February 5th? Um, and that, that's broken down across various age groups, which we will briefly summarize here Um this will go into a lot of detail that if, if you're a subscriber you'll, you'll you can look at for yourself in the slides, but just to, just to summarize that the now this included and this is the big thing to me is that this included not just cable and broadcast networks, but this also included, yes, streaming networks and the most watched now this doesn't have every streaming network I think Paramount was not included in this or something um, but the but the big ones that you know are uh, other than Paramount um, the most watched network or streaming platform for that week ending February 5th among people age two plus was Netflix and the number two among people age two plus was YouTube and we have to wait to number three to get a linear traditional TV network some people may have heard of called CBS which is number three followed by Amazon Hulu then we get the rest of the networks and Disney um I also have some interesting age breakdowns here. We'll go through quickly. So if we look at let's let's start with the with the youngest people of all, teenagers, like what this is now this is about skew. This is not about what is the most popular network for this age group, but what is this age group disproportionately watching uh uh as a percentage of its viewership, as a percentage of H, of Disney Plus's viewership. Um what is the the biggest percentage of viewership that has viewership from 12 to 17, I'm sure this is, this is the skew. What What is this age group over-indexed the most is probably the best way to put, to put this. Is What is this age group over-indexed over in the most for a, a network or streaming platform? And the answer for teenagers, 12 to 17, is Disney+, Plus, followed by Netflix, another streaming company, followed by HBO Max, another streaming platform, followed by Freeform, which I think is a cable network.
2: Yes, it used, to be called A,
0: it used to be called ABC Family. Which used to be the um, Family Channel, correct? Yes. Followed by Hulu. Um, let's go to another age group but, here. Go ahead, and you have something? Yeah. Free, free Form specifically aimed at teenagers. Okay. Um, and then, all right, people 55 and up. What is the, the network that they skew most heavily in? Well, of course, it's Fox News. 85% of the viewers who are watching Fox News... On that week ending February 5th, 85% of them were either 55 years or older. Um, followed by HGTV, followed by Ion. Do we get a streaming streaming network here in the top? What is this? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. There's there's correct me if I'm wrong, there's no streaming network here. It's all traditional TV for people watch for people age 50 or or older. Um, what about the demo? 18 to 49. Number one is HBO Max in terms of skew. Um, again, for 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 that age group in general, I believe the answer is let's see. I guess we don't have it here. But 18 to 34 is Netflix. 18 to 35 is Netflix. So the answer would be Netflix. But what does it skew the most in? Uh, it, it's HBO Max. It's Peacock, Discovery Plus, three streaming networks, uh, followed by Comedy Central, a traditional TV network, and Hulu. Um, 18 to 34. HBO Max, Hulu, Peacock, Netflix, Disney Plus, YouTube—all streaming networks—and then we get Freeform. People 18 to 34 are watching Freeform, and then Comedy Central, um, and then M- MTV is back here at number ten. So, interesting to see some data from from streaming networks, which you know people are always 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 looking for, and we have so little data uh, that's that's public anyway about just how, how streaming networks and how how you know consumption of, of watching content through, through the streaming medium compares to how much people are watching traditional TV. And as we know, through Nielsen's The Gauge, the majority of TV watch time is still traditional TV by, by an increasingly thin margin. Still traditional TV.
2: But, uh, you know, Dan, Do you know how they calculate like if you're watching traditional TV through a streaming platform? So
0: if you're – so, like, I have Sling and other people have Hulu Live TV or YouTube TV where you get traditional TV channels. In mm-hmm. um, Nielsen's The Gage, if people are familiar with the donut chart that I don't have in the slides today, you're, you are not counted in the, tradi- in the in the cable or broadcast. You're counted in, in the other
2: streaming category, I think, which is yeah. – Even if you're watching a, a cable television correct. or broadcast TV. Yeah, yeah because is, I, like – I watch I watch Jeopardy sometimes which is on CBS um and I watch it live locally. Yeah. Uh I wa- I don't have cable. I watch I I open up Paramount Plus and watch WBZ which is our local CBS station here in Boston and I now watch That might be different. I don't I don't know. Yeah. Like if you Right, cuz I'm watching it on a streaming service but I'm also watching the broadcast TV. that just, that's not the way a full MVPD.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But it's but
2: it's definitely not through a coax cable, right? No.
0: Anyway, I think that's all I have for now. Do you have questions.
1: Uh, yes, I uh, got a couple super chats here. Uh, uh, MJ from MJ just says, "Proud to support an unbiased journalist slash analyst who isn't afraid to ask real questions and respects whether the subject answers or don't doesn't answer." Safe travels, back friend. Lunch on me, and that's for your break.
2: Thank you, MJ. I appreciate that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, we have. That's uh, we have two questions here uh, from uh, Bob the Builder. Uh, do you plan on traveling to Cali for the AEW pay-per-view as well as do you think AEW Revolution ends up selling out?
0: That's a good question. I, you know, I do not plan on going to San Francisco uh, for for a- the AEW Revolution pay-per-view.
2: What if and what I, if WrestleNomics got a lot more Patreon subscribers? If WrestleNomics
0: got a that. lot more Patreon subscribers, that would be on the table. 100% <laughs> open to it. Um, but it's 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 just a lot more affordable for me to to do these east coast trips which is i i mean i have gone to chicago too but that's that's another not far trip for me but when when it comes to like fly i've looked into flying to la for wrestlemania or san francisco for aw revolution it's it gets quite expensive going all the way across
2: the country for me brandon um, just take some bookings during wrestlemania weekend and, and make it like a little working vacation mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not currently accepting bookings.
1: It's not as easy as you think it is
0: right now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. and I'm not currently accepting bookings, and Chris Collins is currently not getting bookings. <laughs> 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 All right. Um, did I answer the other question? What, what was oh, Bob no. He a, so
1: he asked about, do you think AEW Revolution ends up selling out?
2: Where is it right now? I'll have to pull it. I think it. it's at yeah. like a little under 7,000 was the last number I saw, which was a few days ago. Uh, what is the date of it? Is it I would March? say unlikely unlikely to sell out would be my yeah. take.
0: It is at 9,826.
2: Oh, oh, that's a lot more than I saw previously.
0: That is, according to Russell Tix. that, oh, I'm sorry, that's the estimated capacity. Scratch that. My bad. That is the estimated capacity: 9,826. The, the tickets distributed is six thousand nine hundred twenty-one. Six thousand nine hundred twenty-one. So that yeah. that leaves, as as far as what is on sale, two thousand nine hundred five left to sell. So I would just, I would call that decisively not sold out. And we are getting you not know we're under a month here. I would guess that's not going to
2: sell out. I I think they can get to that nine thousand figure. I don't think they can get to what the what, a, what I would consider a true sellout in that building, which is probably around thirteen or fourteen thousand. Is this
0: an NBA
2: this is the Golden State Warriors okay. arena, yes. Okay.
0: Okay. Uh that's it. You guys have plugs? You're you're muted, Gull. You're ranting, but you're muted.
1: No, I'll just say that will do it for Super Chats, but yeah.
0: Okay. Thank you.
2: Uh any plugs? I have the Gentlemen's Wrestling Podcast. You can find it right here on YouTube. I just had a new episode. I was joined by Rich Krejci of the Flagship Wrestling Podcast, as well as VoicesOfWrestling.com. We had a long, almost two-hour discussion talking about um, the discourse around AEW, the way we talk about AEW, the way that AEW seems to always have this air of pessimism around it when it comes to the sense of public conversation. And we do a, a thorough, deep dive into why that is. I have kind of a pet theory of these three different categories of, of people who negatively influence AEW discourse. And kind of how that impacts Keep the on company. on the beat, Chris gallo right? Chris gallo is like two of the three categories, I'm not going to lie. It's yeah. uh, him and then his bow tie.
0: Bow tie. Yeah.
2: No, my three categories are, are Monday Night War revivalists the uh, the the skeptics for an alternative product, and of course the grifters and the charlatans. But uh, it's a I think it's a really I think you it, mean it came carnies, out really
1: well. carnies. That's the carnies, word. You yes. use
2: this <laughs> but it's But uh, It's gotten rave reviews so far. I think it, it's something I put a lot of thought into, kind of focusing on the kind of conversations that we have mainly over the internet and on social media. And Where is this? Where can people walk- find it? They can find it right on YouTube. It's the Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast. You can go into my Twitter page, at Jesse Collings, and also check it out. Um, there's going to be some news on the Gentlemen's Wrestling Podcast in the future. News? Uh, very soon. Good news. Good news. Um, media rights so. deal? One could describe it as a media rights deal, yes. Okay. Okay.
0: All
2: well, righty.
0: Um,
1: yeah, uh... Yeah, I was actually a guest about a week ago on the Honk If You Love Wrestling podcast. They talked to me about wrestling and stuff and, and ring announcing all that. Uh, and uh, I will uh, be this Saturday. I'll be in Erie, Pennsylvania, uh, ring announcer Revenge for Wrestling. And then Sunday, I'll be back in Buffalo doing stand up at Helium Comedy Club. So, wanted to see me okay. do my my other million things I do. So,
0: all right, all right. Thanks everybody for listening and supporting. We'll talk to you next time.